0: (laughs) well I didn't go on the praise although I have a huge praise um, that when Pastor James called and said Robbie (laughs) actually came in a text can you um, speak on the 18th of June I looked on my calendar quickly and realized wow that's Father's Day how cool is that that I get to go on Father's Day because I don't know if you remember but I spoke on Father's Day last year And the reason why that was so encouraging to me immediately was that I knew that God would give me something unbelievable because there's some people that pray at this church. I don't know what it is about (laughs) peace. And you guys pray for the people speaking or something because I get the coolest stuff. And I've just had a week where like, wow, God, really, really, really? I just can't believe what you're showing me. And so... As I try to enter into this, which you may have noticed is the title of this today, is uh, The Seven Anointings of a Good Good Father from the 23rd Psalm. Since I have searched to see if anybody has ever seen this, what I'm going to talk about today, I could not find anybody that ever preached on what I'm going to talk about. I feel like I've got muddy shoes in an extremely holy place. I mean, like... God took me there, and it was phenomenally holy, but I'm going to have clod around in there because, you know, I'm not a Spurgeon, and I'm not a whoever, I'm Robbie, but so here we go, so I'm going to lead us in prayer that, God, I pray that that um, as we come into this time of talking about the 23rd Psalm and about the anointing of your son and, and those kind of things, um, what fatherhood means to you is beyond even my wildest imagination, so Lord, I pray you would guide our hearts, that you would be the person that speaks this and and that I would be able to share what you've shared with me. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you may know, I do a devotion at a retirement home. It was actually an assisted living in in Mocksville. And, And so I'm often looking for really cute stories. And I found this story of a young man by the name of Timothy. He was going to go into kindergarten, and Timothy wanted to be able to walk to school on his own. And he just begged his mother, I want to walk to school on my own. It's kindergarten. I'm a big boy. I can do it. I can do it. I want to walk to school on my own. Mother was a warrior like this. The, mm, I don't know. I don't know. But finally, she gets to watching that her neighbor has got a toddler and they're out walking every day. And so she goes to her neighbor and said, would you mind following my son if I didn't tell him you were there and you just kind of follow him on the way to school every day, you and your daughter, when you're walking with her anyway? And she said, sure, I'd love to. And so the neighbor felt like she could do that, and the mother said, okay, this works. So she sent her son off to school, you know, by himself. But along the way, he found another little girl who was also on her way to kindergarten, and he started walking with the girl. So he and the little girl walked every day to school, and this went on for about a week. And finally the little girl turned to Timothy and said, Timothy, have you noticed this woman that's following us every day and, and the little girl with her. And he goes, oh, yeah, I know who they are. And she goes, well, who are they? What's up with them? And he said, well, that's Marcy, the little girl. She lives in my neighborhood. I play with her a lot. And, and the mother's name is Mrs. Goodrest. And um, my mother calls her Shirley. And, you know, my mom, she's a worrier. She worries, 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 worries. And so every single night, she makes me pray the 23rd Psalm. And you know where it says, and surely good rest and Marcy will follow you all the days of your life. I'm just getting used to it. <laughs> there's so much in that that I can't even... There, there's, a, there's, a, a, there's so much that's in a name that... You know, it was one of the first things that man got to do when he came. You know, God gave him his instructions. you have got to get to name the animals, so naming's a huge thing. And so, as I began to p- contemplate the name of Jesus Christ, it seems to be more to it than Jesus is his first name and his last name is Christ. That's not surely goodness. It's it's Jesus, but then there's Christ. And so, Jesus, you may know in the Hebrew, is actually the same thing as Joshua. And it means God saves. And that's significant, and I could probably speak for hours on that by itself, but the second part is where I'm going today. His last name is Christ. That means the anointed one. It comes from the word Messiah. Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah, which means anointed. So that's telling you something, or it's telling me something like, Wow, this anointing must be a really big deal. And if you read the Old Testament, there's a whole lot of anointing that goes on, and I had a lot of people tell me over the years, Robbie, you're really anointed, but I really did not know what that meant, and so I figured I had to study, what in the world is this anointing me? And if Jesus is the anointed one, when did he get anointed? How exactly did that work, and what does that mean? And there you're going to find the story of a good, good father. Now, Isaiah, in Isaiah 11, in my opinion, Isaiah 11 is almost a hinge in the Bible. It's like, Isaiah's going to give us something here, and he's going to talk about the anointing of the Christ in Isaiah 11, and it starts at the very first. And, And there's so much there that I don't know that I can plumb the depths of it the rest of my life, but if you get there, you can go backwards and you can go forward and look into anointing in a way that's just more than amazing. But what it says is, a stump will come out of the branch of Jesse, which is essentially talking about David, because Jesse was David's son. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now, in Hebrew, the word spirit is pronounced rach. That's cool, isn't it? You feel the breath in there? Because Hebrew words have something that illustrates what they actually are and the spirit is comes from the root of the word breath because God breathed life into man the spirit is like that and so you get this rach and that's breath but interestingly the word rest because it says the spirit of the lord rach rested on him as nach there's a breath in that too And when you're resting, and we talked about resting a little bit, resting in your gift, resting when the Spirit of the Lord rests on you. If you're blessed to have a wonderful wife like me that I get to go to sleep with her at night, when she begins to rest, her breathing changes. And it's a completely different thing. As the body rests, there's this different breath. So the Spirit of the Lord rested on this branch of Jesse, which is clearly talking about the Christ, and it, the Spirit of the Lord resting on something is a picture of the anointing. So if we go back to when did this happen with Jesus, it's one of the really cool, another really cool place in the Bible, and it's mentioned in all four Gospels, is that the baptism of Jesus, when he comes out of the water, is one of the few times you find in the whole Bible, you get to see all three parts of the Trinity, you get to see the son. He's coming up out of the water. The spirit comes down, and what does it do? It rests, right? <laughs> and then the father gives the blessing that every son longs to hear. This is my beloved son in whom I love. There's not a son sitting here today that does not long to hear from their earthly father, father figure in their life, an uncle, a grandfather. This is my beloved son. So here came the Holy Spirit. It rested. And when it rested, we find out what happens in Isaiah 11. But first, we've got to see that this is a picture of what the father is doing for his son, And he's giving him a very special blessing. And if you look into this, interestingly, in the book of John, when you look at John the Baptist's mission statement, when he tells why God has him doing what he's doing, well, I am supposed to be looking for the one whom the Spirit comes to rest on. And I'm supposed to tell everybody that that's the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. John his ministry was looking for the Holy Spirit to come rest on somebody. He was looking for the anointing. He was looking for Christ. You see what he's doing? When you get Jesus' last name straight, you go, wait a minute, this anointing's a big deal. This is a huge deal. And so, Isaiah gives us this phenomenal insight as to what does that exactly mean? And if you go into the book of Revelation, you go to the end, when... John gets to come in before the throne of God and there is the big, good, good father and there's the lamb. But what's burning is the seven lamps. Right? And those seven lamps, again, speak to these seven spirits that we find out about in Isaiah 11. And so, quickly, they are the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and last, but certainly best, is a delight in the fear of the Lord. And so, as we go to the end of the 23rd Psalm, do you not see (laughs) that here David's given us an example of what does that feel like if you're the sheep? If you're the one being shepherded, what does it feel like to be shepherded by somebody who has this anointing? Well, I can tell you, it's going to feel like Shirley Goodrest and her daughter Marcy are going to be following you all the days of your life. Because <laughs> you're going to rest. But that word delight in the Hebrew is really rich. That it has to do with a fragrance. And it, the nostrils flare when you delight in something like, wow, well, take that in. That's the word delight. And so, as Jesus delighted in the Father, he delighted in a fear of the Lord, you see? And so, as I said, here I am with my muddy shoes. I'm going to trample on something that's unbelievably holy. But if we just go through the 23rd Psalm and look at it now from this sevenfold anointing, we can get a feeling of what David had experienced as having the good, good father that he had. So, it starts out very simply. (laughs) Probably your translation says, the Lord is my shepherd. That is wisdom. Right? You remember the first anointing? Wisdom? Well, wisdom in Hebrew has to do with ruling. Now, isn't it interesting that Solomon, when he was a young man, too young to rule in his mind, he went and prayed before God, God, I need help, I need help, I need help. But God says, I'll give you anything you want. What did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Why did he need wisdom? Because that allows him to rule. But you may also know that Solomon gave us the whole idea of what is inside of wisdom. It is What? The fear of the Lord. Now this is where you see that we begin to see the circular argument of the anointing of Christ. You're going to find the fear of the Lord is throughout this thing. But the Lord is my shepherd, is wisdom. And poor, you know, the man we were talking about, our our 96-year-old friend, he does not know the Lord and so the lack of wisdom in his life is obvious as you begin to see what happens if you're looking for a good father you're looking for one I promise you he has a fear of the Lord you're looking for a good leader I think we've all experienced some bad ones (laughs) but I'll bet you if you find a good one he's got wisdom and what is that fear of the Lord you want to be a good father fear of the Lord Understanding that it was going to take a lifetime, but it's nonetheless there. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. Now, the second, the second part of the anointing, the second spirit of God, would be understanding. Now, what does understanding have to do with want? It's a great question. I pondered it a lot. How many of us want to be understood? What is your biggest want? Don't you just, I wish my wife understood me. I wish my kids understood me. (laughs) I wish my boss understood me. (laughs) I mean the one thing we want. I wish my dad understood me. We want to be understood. But what's David saying? He's saying, actually, the word want here means I'm not going to lack anything. So how cool is it? It's beyond cool when you think about it that Jesus has the anointing of the Father and that he has a special ability to understand you. He knows, he knows that Robbie doesn't need a Maserati. Now, I may want a Maserati, <laughs> but he understands Robbie, and he knows Robbie does not need a Maserati. But I have to give you just an unbelievable example of this. Um, my family and Tammy knows this. We, we used to own the Chrysler dealership in Knoxville, And uh, due to some bad judgment of, I guess, my hiring practices and, a, and an office manager who chose to make some very bad choices and not pay our payroll taxes over a period of time and embezzle a great deal of money, we lost everything financially. Beyond everything. We lost everything we had, and we still owed the government $3 million. And we still do. So we went from what we thought was a multimillion-dollar business, a nice house in Clemens West, and all sorts of stuff that you might think, and all the trappings. My wife probably never didn't drive a new car for the entire time she'd been married to me. (laughs) And we all of a sudden had less than any of that, which has an impact on I shall not want. (laughs) I can assure you. But one of the things we wanted, it happened to be the year my son was graduating from high school, and we had kept our kids at Calvary Baptist Day School, and the tuition there was fairly expensive. And so it came up to the end of the year, and they're like, I'm sorry, Robbie can't graduate, because you have to get your bill caught up. And it was several thousand dollars, I don't even want to remember. And they were like, he can't graduate. He can't graduate. So my wife called a few days before the graduation, and she said, well, somebody came in, and your tuition's been paid. You are paid in full. I don't know that I'll ever understand it. I, 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 we worried, you know, that was about worthless. Because the Lord was my shepherd, and so I, I, he, I should have guessed that I wouldn't be lacking anything I needed. Well, then my son wanted to play Division I college basketball. And so he went all summer trying to find, you know, as you were praying about your son graduate, we went all over trying to figure out how he was going to accomplish this goal. He played really well, but he wasn't getting, you know, Duke or anybody lining up to call him. And the University of Northern Arizona, which is in Flagstaff, decides they want to look at him. So we drive, this is in August, school starts right now, we drive, no money, no idea what we're doing, (laughs) take our son and drive all the way to Flagstaff, Arizona. And we go in there, and they, oh, yeah, we love it. We're going to play basketball. This is going to be awesome. This, Dad, this is what I always wanted. This is exactly where I want to go to college. This is awesome. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, and by the way, it's going to be $20,000 per semester. We have nothing. Less than nothing. Way less than nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe we can get a loan. Well, our credit was You know, you got tax liens. You got not not a lot of people going to loan you money. So we're sitting there. Robbie wants to stay. He's sitting at the, you know, he's in the dorm, whatever. And they're like, well, you can go back and see if you can find somebody to loan you the money, you know. And Tammy's like, we cannot leave him here. We don't have the money. And I said, I don't know how it's going to work. I have no idea. But this is where Robbie wants to go to college. And somehow I know God's got it. I don't know how he got it. I have no idea how he's got it. But he's got it. And she, we drove <laughs> 3,000 miles all the way back to North Carolina, and I may have heard it once or twice, what are we doing? We are leaving our son, we don't have this money, we have no way to get this money. And I was like, honey, I don't know, I just know that God's, I just had this sense, like this is handled, and I don't know how. If I did not live this story, I would not believe it. So if you don't believe me, I understand, but I got to tell you, this is exactly what happened, I'm not making up a word of it. We pull into the driveway of our house, which is rented because we can't own a house anymore. (laughs) There's the mailbox, and I open up the mailbox, and in the mailbox is a check from the North Carolina Department of Revenue. Guess how much it's for? $18,000. I kid you not. I'm not kidding. It (laughs) It was from the North Carolina Department of Revenue. And it was like, because your office manager hadn't been paying, you know, we had been holding this money of yours, but when she was sent to jail, she sent them a very large check, and so they paid us all the money they owed us in one lump sum, and there it was. And Robbie was in college. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, but there's a deeper issue there. The real issue is not things like that. They're they're there. But the real thing is he understands you. He understands what motivates you. He understands what you really need. And David had experienced this at a level that, I, you know, because of the life he lived, he'd just seen things that few people ever get to see. He had, and a good father, has understanding. They want to know what their children need, and they want to provide for it. That's part of being a good, good father. He makes me lay down in green pastures. (laughs) This is so cool. That is the word counsel. And the word counsel, if you study it, and I love studying words, so it comes from an idea of purpose. Like somebody who is counseling is going to help you get on purpose. So, what in the world, Robbie, does that have to do with lying down in a green pasture? Well, fortunately, you guys all enjoyed the Seder that we had, so you're going to understand this better than most. (laughs) If you're a sheep, your purpose is to be fat and healthy because you're going to be feeding some people or you're going to be sacrificed for some people, especially David's sheep, because David's <coughs> sheep were the ones that they used to celebrate the Passover, so they couldn't have a blemish. They had to be healthy. They had to be fat. They had to be wonderful. They had to be happy. Now, there is a phenomenal book I cannot recommend higher than it's called The 23rd Psalm from a Shepherd's Perspective or The Shepherd's Guide with the 23rd Psalm. Have you read it? Oh, man, it's so cool. But it tells you there that laying a sheep down in a green pasture, it's going to rest better than any place else because it knows when it wakes up, breakfast has arrived. In fact, in World War II, there were all these orphans that came about because of all the bomb, you know, and all that happened. And they rounded up these orphans and brought them in the orphanages, but they wouldn't sleep. They could do nothing to get these kids to sleep until one good shepherd figured out if you give these kids a piece of bread before they go to bed, they'll go right off to sleep because they're worried. The reason they're not sleeping is because they're worried where the next meal is coming from. He makes me lay down. He makes me lay down in green pastures. I don't know how you sleep, but I'm going to bet you you have your struggles. Man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk to the so and so tomorrow, or this is all these things. Man, you got all this because you, you worry, and it's, you know, but when you rest ah, and go to that, you've given it all to the shepherd, <laughs> and you go off to sleep. He's going to counsel you. If you're going to be a good sheep, you need your rest. you got to have your rest. He guides me beside still waters. Sheep are always worried about getting drowned, so they won't drink from rushing water. You know, if you're covered in this wool coat, you'd be a little worried about the water getting on you too. <laughs> and so if the water's rushing by, I ain't drinking. So the leading beside the still waters is again counsel to tell the sheep, I need you healthy. I need you on purpose. Now, this is really cool because I couldn't have asked for a better sermon illustration than we had this morning. When she, you see each of us, every single person in here, reflects the image of God in a unique way. Apparently hers is mercy. My wife's is holding baby. She has a unique ability to care for young children. Everybody was given something, I call it the special sauce, like two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickle. You know, everybody's got a special sauce. And if you can identify that sauce, (laughs) then you get a picture of what God looks like. Right? When you see her giving mercy to those patients, that's a picture of God. And you don't get it anywhere else because whatever it is that you reflect God is your uni- unique way to f- reflect God. And the angels actually are ho- hovering over you waiting to see that because that's the only way they can see that aspect of God is when you reflect him in what it is that he gave you that's special, that you love to do. He, he, and the good father spots it in his children and he calls it out. My youngest daughter is a great actress. She's amazing. Oh, does it take a lot of work to get her to act though. But she's so good at it but she thinks she's so bad because Satan is there trying to get her to hide what it is. You see that we have an enemy that's trying to get us to hide but the shepherd, he sees what that is and he He sees the purpose, and he's trying to get it along the way, you see? That's counsel. It's an amazing thing. I could spend the rest of the day there, but I won't because we've got to move on. (laughs) He restores my soul. That's might. That's power. You know why? Why? I don't know about you, but I'm guessing that the most difficult thing you have to do in the spiritual realm is to forgive yourself. In fact, the podcast we did at Masculine Journey on soothing the savage conscience has more downloads than any other episode. I wonder why. Because There's this pride thing that says, man, I can't believe I did that. But you did. You did it. I can't believe it. I can't believe I would talk that way to my wife. I can't believe I would do that. I can't believe that I would say that. I can't believe those thoughts went in my mind. I can't believe I was thinking that. I do not know of anything more difficult. than forgiving myself. And that's where the shepherd's might comes in. It's his power to conquer death. You see, at some point, he's going to say, Robbie, didn't I pay enough? See, when he conquered death, that was the might. That was what I need in order to get past that part of my Life is to be able to forgive myself. So when David says he restores my soul, he's talking about, you know what he's talking about. He's talking about the whole Bathsheba incident. I mean, his soul was at a point of turmoil. I can't believe I'm David. I'm the guy. I killed Goliath. I'm your man, God. I did that. I killed Bathsheba's husband. Really? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. But David's soul was restored. Don't tell me that is isn't unbelievable might. How could that possibly happen? Jesus Christ, the anointed. Isn't that cool? He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. In my opinion, that's knowledge. You're saying, Robbie, how in the world... (laughs) Well, as you are a good father, you will begin to be able to read a map. You have the lay of the land. You have knowledge. You have this book. As you read this, you gain more and more knowledge. It will guide you in paths of righteousness. It shows you you don't want your kid on that street, <laughs> you know, to walk that particular way home. You want surely goodness and her daughter, Marcy. (laughs) You know, if he's going down that road, in other words, as you understand the lay of the land, you will guide based on that, and he has phenomenal knowledge. He has phenomenal, you know, understanding of where it is that we need to be. But here we go back to the circular reference again. (laughs) It's so much cool. I just don't know where it all goes, but for his name's sake... Jehovah saves the anointing again, the fear of the Lord, the wisdom, and it comes all back again for his name's sake. Think about it. Your dad did not want you messing up because you messed up the name. I mean, what's your last name? I forgot. Edison. Edison. What have you done to the Edison name? Look at what you did. <laughs> so you, being a Christian, you have that name attached to you. And when you go down the wrong path, guess what happens? You bring the whole name through the mud, but he wants you in the family business. (laughs) He's got other plans for you. And so your name means something. When people say, Robbie Tillmore, do they think of somebody with integrity, or do they think of the guy that owes the government $3 million? (laughs) You know, it's one of those things we get to. But he's going to... Guide me in paths of righteousness because he knows the lay of the land and he's provided this for all fathers. Now we get to the really, really good part. As you might have guessed, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. The fear of the Lord. My dad is so big and so bad that I can walk anywhere he wants me to walk without in the least bit of fear. And if you don't think Jesus had this in mind, just look what he said, Anytime, almost any place, what did he do? My father sent me, my father did this, my father, What? My, what my, you're not listening. My dad said this stuff. Jesus had a fear of the Lord. That, I don't, you know, I don't know how it all works, but it works. He had a phenomenal anointing in the fear of the Lord. And he lived there. To the point that he allowed him to drive nails into his hand. He, he lived there to the point that he could sweat great drops of blood on the ground of Gethsemane. In the garden. He lived there. But oh, 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 that seventh spirit, that spirit of completion. Now I want you to think with me for a minute. This is just like, wow, God, I can't even handle this. But what did God do on the seventh day? He rested. What was Jesus' last of the seven words from the cross? It's finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit it's this phenomenal place of a delight get the irrever- you know you know it's an interesting thing Tammy and I teach special needs and so this has an image to me that maybe other people wouldn't get but if you look at second corinthians 2 there's this verse that says we are the fragrance of the lord among the living and the dead. (laughs) Did you hear that? We are a fragrance of the Lord among the living and the dead. That delight. That delight That place of... Now, listen to what David... David, he hits this, and then he slams it home by saying, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Who were David's enemies? Sounds like he's talking about Joab and the boys, but he's not. He's talking about Satan. Satan was his enemy. Satan was the one that tempted him to go do that with Bathsheba. He knew who his enemy was not flesh and blood. He knew his enemy was Satan. And as you sit down this morning with your bread laid out all in front of Satan saying give it to me give it to me give it to me see he's going to prepare a table an unbelievable table in the presence of your enemies because believe me Satan does not want that book open tomorrow morning but if you open it if you follow the shepherd you will prepare a table believe me and then what? He comes back to the anointing. He says, you anoint, my oil. you anoint my head with oil. Yes, yes, it was the Father that anointed him. And, and, and yes, Jesus, I mean, David knew full well what he was talking about when he said this anointing. He knew exactly what he was talking about. It gets back to this. My cup overflows, doesn't it? If you're there, if you're with me, where I've been all week, thinking about all this and just going, wow, wow, God, my cup overflows, that's just unbelievable. But then we get to the really cool part of Shirley Goodnest and his daughter Mercy are going to follow you all the days of your life. And I know this is stupid long, but anyway, (laughs) I apologize. Um, Not really? Okay. I cannot not share this story with you, Okay. I had read that book, Shepherd's Guide to the 23rd Psalm, and my friend, who you may have heard me give the testimony of, was dying of cancer. And his wife came to me and said, Robbie, the doctor has told me that Johnny's not going to live another two or three days. Will you tell him? Really? Well, when somebody gives you such a sacred duty is to tell somebody that they only have two or three more days to live, you obviously don't answer that with no, but of course, because I don't want it to come from somebody he doesn't know. I want it to come from his best friend, so Robbie, I want you to tell him. So there was a little chapel, and it had a glass not unlike your... And I remember going in there, and I went, Oh, my word, God, what in the world do I say? What in the world do I say? And God took me back to a moment in time when I was dying, I thought. <laughs> or the nurse told me I was, anyway. And I was, I had a, a brain um, abscess. And it was spreading in my brain and, and, and this nurse came in and she was going to hang this last antibiotic and she said, Mr. Dillmore, I just want you to know that we're hanging this one but if this doesn't work, you know, you won't wake up in the morning. Not a lot of mercy right <laughs> there. I don't think that was her gift. But it was something that definitely made my mind start to turn. And I thought immediately, what is it all about? Why did I live these years? on? What was this all for? Why? Why did I go through all this? To die in this unbelievable pain that came with this particular disease. And then it hit me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You see, what they explain in that shepherd's guide to the 23rd Psalm is that sheep in the Middle East are considered the animals with the golden hooves because if they're well shepherded, if a good shepherd shepherds these sheep, they leave green pastures behind them because of the way that they eat the grass and the way that they their manure, etc., makes it a beautiful green path where In fact, if you look in the Song of Solomon, where the shepherd girl went to, you know, say, where do I find you, the shepherd? And she said, follow the tracks of the sheep. Well, they're talking about if you look through one of these pastures in the Middle East, there's this green trail where the sheep have been. And so, as Johnny was laying there, I said, Johnny, I have some horrible news for you that you've only got two or three more days left. And immediately, as soon as I told him that, his eyes rolled up in his head, and I saw that same look that I had experienced, you know, myself. And I said, Johnny, I I just read this thing on the 23rd Psalm and understood something. That now that you have been shepherded by the good shepherd, you are going to leave behind you in your life a green pasture for the sheep to follow to make their way to the shepherd. You see, as you use your spiritual gifts, as the shepherd puts you on purpose to eat well and sleep well and do all those things that he's going to get you to do, you are going to make one wonderful green pasture that people all can follow where? To dwell in the house of the Lord forever. They all get to do it, and we all get to do it together. And we all get to do it with a dad that's going to take us on adventures. It's unbelievable. We get to... Make the sun come up tomorrow morning. Okay, son, I'm going to take you. Come along with me. Let me show you how I do this. Let me make it snow with you a minute. Those are the adventures our dad is going to take us on when we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that cool? And I said, Johnny, because Johnny had a unique ability with kids He would always have, he had a box, a treasure box in his desk. This was a car salesman. And so here's a car salesman with a treasure box. And these kids would come into his office. Oh, get into the treasure box. And oh, they got, and it was just like, man. And I've said, Johnny, don't you see what you did when people think of you? They think of God. They saw your special sauce. And they get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A delight a delight in the fear of the lord he's a good good father i'll pray lord as i stand here i know there's many sons many daughters that have experienced such a father and others that it's mixed up and confusing Lord, I pray that they would long to have that experience as David did, experience of forgiveness and experience of understanding and experience of delight in you. Lord, I pray that you would make a way for them that they would be able to follow the tracks of the sheep here at Peace Church, and that you would uh, help us all to enjoy that adventure in the end, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.